Welcome to the Life Itself podcast, where we discuss emerging culture and tech to help facilitate the paradigm shift we so desperately need. Welcome. I'm Rufus Pollock from Life Itself, and this is the Life Itself podcast, where we explore the trends and the uh, topics in this emerging area of pragmatic uh, utopianism and a wiser, radically wiser and weller world. I'm really happy today to be joined uh, by Dr. Thomas Steininger. He has been cultivating transformative we space practices for nearly 30 years. He is a philosopher, a practitioner, and a spiritual mentor, and has dived deeply into the practice of meditation and into the exploration of the evolution of human consciousness, particularly the current transition from a hyper-individual I culture to a co-conscious we culture. As an authority on cultural evolution and the different spiritual and religious currents that have formed our postmodern world, he brings his perspective into his work as publisher of Evolve magazine, the leading German magazine on consciousness and culture, and as a faculty at Meridian University in California. He has also co-founded and developed a process of emergent dialogue and advanced practice in conscious communication. So really, really welcome, Thomas, to the show. Um, I would like to start just asking you a little bit about how you you know, how you started this incredible journey over the last 30 plus years in this area. Um, yeah, what what was your original encounter? And, you know, was it during your studies? When it was it later? Like, I'd love to hear a bit about, yeah, your background and how it how this started. Well, thank you, Rufus. I'm glad to be here. Very excited about this conversation. Um, yeah, it always depends where one wants to set the starting point. But uh, if you really go uh, way back to my time when I was studying philosophy in the University of, uh, of Vienna, I was at that time very much a social activist. I was uh, in, in the student parliament, uh, the, the anti-nuclear movement was strong. I was in part of all of that and I was very much interested in social change at that time from a left-wing perspective. And I felt uh, in all this kind of social activism that we did at the time that something was really going wrong. And uh, from what I would have only seen afterwards, there was a lot of ego involvement in the way we went about with our ideals, how to change the world and all about that. So I kind of changed course in that and did a lot of psychotherapy, group therapy, did a lot of uh, uh, what was in the 80s kind of uh, things to do in body-oriented therapy, encounter, uh, gestalt therapy, um, uh, breath work, and all this kind of stuff. And I realized uh, that there was um, a perspective uh, opening up in myself that uh, was different than my social activist identity. And I, being a philosopher, I tried to read about it and there was a lot of spiritual literature. And to be honest, I hated the spiritual literature because it was often beautiful, but um, I felt 
that people don't really think. I had the arrogance, at least, of a philosopher, <laughs> that the people don't, didn't really think. And then in the 80s, I found uh, something uh, or someone that really was for me an, uh, an important life change experience. That was uh, the early Ken Wilber. Uh, and the early Ken Wilber in the 1980s, at least in Vienna, nobody knew Ken Wilber. Uh, was able to think about social historic realities from a deep consciousness perspective. And I, I was in the end of my studies, uh, um, wanted to write my, my thesis about uh, social change, the evolution of culture from a deep consciousness perspective. And I wrote about this with uh, a lot of what at that time uh, uh, the early Ken Wilber brought to the table, uh, which was already evolution of consciousness and a deep philosophical un understanding of a deep dimension of reality that I drew from Martin Heidegger, his uh, whole relationship between being and beings. It's, and uh, this kind of interest in um, the depth understanding of who we are, the subject object divide. Uh, led me into uh, being involved in more spiritual work and there in a spiritual community that I was involved uh, mainly in the 90s there was a work uh, where we very much were looking into what does it mean to come together in a different way in a dialogical form and this work was the starting work of uh, our dialogue forms uh, that we did this community broke apart. There are a lot of things I could tell about that. But if, if you want to have a starting point, uh, this kind of long story is kind of a starting point how all this work started in my life. Wow. So just one, a couple of things. So even, um, I'm always very interested in like what was the context that had people in that very beginning inquiry. So just one short question first about that, that fascinating kind of uh, odyssey. What, what was it that had you kind of see in the activism work that there was something, something missing personally for you, you know, can, was there any specific incident or was just, where did this feeling come from? Because I would guess that many other people you were involved with didn't go on that journey in through therapy or through this kind of spiritual inquiry. So I'm just intrigued because that's even still very relevant to today in many, in many ways that, that thing, although maybe the political situation and so on has evolved a lot. So I just, for you personally, what was it and, and that happened? I, I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, I could point to many things, but maybe to pick one that was central for me, because uh, our engagement at that time, uh, typical in this 1970s, 1980s uh, movement was very much anti-establishment power against power structures, capitalism, uh, uh, old fashioned power. But the way we acted between ourselves in all the student groups in university was very power driven. The power dynamics were so much part of ourselves uh, that there was a huge contradiction between our understanding of having the longing for liberation and equality and people coming together and the deep investment in just usual power struggles, our, uh, ego investments and uh, the, the power game as you see it everywhere. 
and this conflict between our big ideals and the reality how we live between each other uh, and myself included by the way uh, was something that was bothering me and there was a deep uh, something was missing and on the other hand uh, that was part of what my dissertation was about there was uh, an understanding in these liberation movements about human alienation at that time there was very much that alienation had to do with the production process with uh, uh, our capitalist societies and all of that and it felt for me that this uh, our being alienated from reality from nature from each other uh, uh, must go deeper than that that's not that's that's not that's not the core of it and the particular more or less materialistic approach to this seems to be lacking a lot and that's where the psychotherapy processes uh, opened up uh, for me and very deep experiences that also didn't fit to my kind of more down-to-earth materialistic understanding of reality so I had to deal with experiences with myself and integrate them in my own understanding and so I just want to highlight that maybe just as I think for myself to summarize it one point was that in the very movements that were often yearning for liberation for kind of solidarity for uh, a kind of form of participation without kind of oppression without domination you know mm -hmm. I, I think what we mean by power structures often in that terminology is kind of uh, domination structures it, you know that's the power stands for that maybe and not this contradiction that you were seeing between the the aspirations of the movement then the way that we were kind of people were behaving including yourself if you like inside it and the point that i think that is most interesting is at the end though just there you see this very insightful point which is that while some people kind of would have been at that time like well we're like this because you know we let we've been brought up inside a capitalist system we've you know we've we've been sort of formed and we're just kind of reproducing these structures of oppression that have like been imprinted on us while that may there may be truth in that you also saw that some of this alienation from ourselves from nature from from you know from each other went deeper and mm -hmm. i would say ontologically it was like an ontological aspect more than just a structuralist aspect of it that it went into our being or nature of our being which of course is formed in in society and i think that's a really i just want to flag that maybe we don't come back to it. we could explore it now this question is really um profoundly and ongoingly relevant to all transformative projects especially obviously transformative political projects mm -hmm. and um you know if you just talk that through the audiences that crudely you know i i would say they may have you know one story about the world it's like hey we're going to transform things technologically you know we're going to e even our own being we're going to invent pills we're going to take a pill for that you know we're going to be a brave new world where you you take this or you take that or you go to a movie that stimulates this or that but we're going to we're going to transform our, our our even our own being and our own well-being kind of almost technologically and another one which is the traditional kind of maybe you might say marxist or just generally is like okay there's structures we we don't own the means of production or you know we live in oppressive family structures that are you know in, re incorporate the, the domination with the father over you know everyone else or whatever and if we break those structures that could be like if we or transform those structures if we create 
shared ownership of the means of production or we reorder the nuclear family into a much better world this alienation and this suffering in ourselves will kind of be transformed mm-hmm. and then finally there's a what i would call and we we could discuss together i don't know how you would call it i'd be very interested but kind of an ontological emphasis which is say yes those other aspects are of course relevant technological and structural but really the fault uh or the or the or the or the or the um the pathway lies in ourselves there's something deep in our human psychology that is transformable uh there are practices there are methods but it's really there are deep things in humans that lead us to be alienated or to have suffering and and that's remains obviously a really relevant question and distinction for ongoing projects of political or social transformation or personal transformation i just want to i've kind of set that out but i'd love to hear your thoughts on that and, and how yeah and how that is that is that something is that what you were alluding to or in your way how would you put it and how does that relate to what you see still today or or even then in in, in your evolution mm. i'm i mean it has a lot to do with uh identity with uh who do we identify being in that sense and even in this uh times that we are talking right now in the 1980s uh i had a very powerful experience uh that uh, made a big difference that maybe speaks to that in fact it was a a a spiritual seminar it was called enlightenment intensive and I, it, it's a very simple setting. It's, uh, it was a week. And uh, in, in some circle, we, you were sitting in, in, in a couple of circles in an outer circle, and you were only doing one thing. Uh, you were with a partner, always changing. And one partner asks you one question ongoingly, who are you? And then you have five minutes to answer. And then it changes. And basically the, the whole week, you, you just go with this one questions. Who are you? Who are you? Uh, and then you come up with what you come up. And it, it really becomes interesting when you slowly run out of answers. When you have said everything, who you are, from a man, Austrian, da, 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 activist, da, 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 all, and you have said this already 10 times. Uh, something is loosening in your system and uh, and it's kind of uh, things become a little wobbly in 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 that and there is a point at least uh that happens for many and happened for me where you uh, lose deeply a sense of who you think you are and something is opening up uh that is you but you can't name it Mm. and it's meaningful and of course, this is very much related to the meditation experience, uh, big meditation seminars or the meditation tradition, I think is very much also around this liberation from identity. And uh, that was something that um, broke something open in me, not only that, but it was part of the process uh, that uh, still stays with me, where I think uh, if we use this big word liberation, uh, there is something in our human soul where the capacity to develop an inner freedom from our identification allows us to be here with each other in a very different way. And if you call this spiritual, just this, yeah, then you don't need any kind of, just this, this little 
uh, opening in yourself or maybe big opening in yourself seems to be a very profound foundation for a different understanding who we are as humans and how we can be together as humans. And um, of course, a lot of things changed since this Enlightenment Intensive <laughs> Workshop in Vienna at, at the time, but uh, it still speaks to what is important to me. Mm, it's a different, it's um, and put in simple words, that kind of liberation from identity it has a sense of being available at any time or any place. Obviously, maybe different, uh, different environments make it more available, even the very mm -hmm. fact there's the enlightenment intensive or that you had the leisure time to go and do it or we could say various things but the point is we from what we know of wisdom traditions that that kind of liberation has been available in various forms in a whole variety of different cultures political systems for thousands of years so it's kind of really distinct from liberation maybe in the other in the other more political sometimes senses mm. one has yeah so, so to move on so you read you read ken Wilber, had this um really uh big impact and then you you maybe would say like i'd like to talk a little bit more you said you joined this kind of community in the 90s and that there was a there were certain things that eventually broke down but I, i'd love to know a bit more about that and both its impact on you but what what were some of the things you learned or what were the lessons or what did you see out of that um and may, maybe you could say a bit more about that i mean the community uh uh, uh that i joined uh, uh the the name it, the names change sometimes but the the name uh, uh people still know it is it was called enlightened next and it was around uh, the spiritual teacher andrew cohen and uh the, the one thing that i still appreciate uh and what our work uh, uh in the core was very much about that liberation also spiritual liberation it's more important what happens between us and just what happens in me. And uh, the work we were doing, uh, and that's still uh, very much related to uh, the work that I'm doing now, was very much finding a way to talk with each other, where using your words that you just brought in, where they're just available. Something, let's call it the potential of the moment, is opening up because nobody puts him or herself in the way with identification. We don't have to call it ego identification. That's basically the same thing in my, in, in my understanding. Where one can be so there for this moment, that we can be so there for this moment, that this moment has a chance to show up between us in the potential that it does not have if everyone is clinging on on I have to be here, you have to be here, and it, it, my agenda has to come through, your agenda has to come through. But where all this doesn't have to uh, completely disappear, uh, one can be there. In fact, it's, you have to talk about it. it's important also for the individual to be here. But the individual to be here in a way that one is free from one's identification with one's separate individuality allows a different dimension to open up. And we did a lot of our work about it one one thing that that was uh one of our major uh, uh moments 
I was uh, had a, a year long uh, grow log, but then uh, uh, some of us, something like thirty of us, at this time we were living at the east coast, uh, Massachusetts, in uh, in, the, in the countryside. We were uh, for a period for more than th three months only meditating, nothing but meditating, and coming in this kind of dialogues. So we did nothing but uh, basically, I don't know how many hours, eight hours, 10 hours meditation per day for months and, and every day come together in this kind of what we at that time called enlightened communication. Uh, and where the goal was to, uh, to be there without uh, being locked into your ego, let's put it that way. And uh, however you wanna, uh, see that or analyze that uh, many things one can say about that uh, there was particular one moment which was just very powerful uh, uh, something was really breaking open that still uh, is important to me although a lot of things broke apart since then and uh, uh, we were uh, not ego free whatever uh, liberated uh, people <laughs> all after that uh, but there was something liber liberating that was very meaningful and show the different potent uh, possibility of humans being together that was part of this work uh, in this Latinx community that was also one of the pillars of, uh, of my life that really uh, still is there and important for me. Mm, wow. And I mean, it's so difficult to uh, talk about these kind of things. Uh, powerfully and not not being it but just to ask you like so when you say something was breaking open and there was this experience mm -hmm. so first of all maybe maybe even to backtrack how do we normally dialogue or speak you know maybe if we're contrasting mm -hmm. what what maybe we all have experience but maybe you could just give a concrete you know vivid illustration of what does it normally look like and maybe you know if you want to it can be from our, our own one's own life or one you know but what do you what's this in contrast with just to start with what's the kind of dialogue or the way that we encounter each other normally maybe what i would highlight here is that usually when we normally dialogue i mean that's already a high achievement to dialogue and not to debate to make just make the distinction well, okay so even tell me what's debating to start with um, the distinction between debating and dialoguing one could say debating is very much where i want to convince you of my way of seeing reality and you want to do the same from the other way and then either one wins or we find a compromise or we find some synergy but it's basically a battle of perspectives. Debating is a form of battle of perspectives. And either with power or with convincing arguments, I can convince you or I can silence you. And then someone wins a debate. A debate is something that someone is winning. A dialogue is not something someone is winning. That's. And what, let, just let's pick a toy example that we could think of that would be relevant today that people might debate about that just would like, as as people listen to this or we talk about it right now gives us kind of a, a chewiness to it 
um, it could be about, I don't know, the war in the Ukraine, or it could be about like something vivid, like, I don't know, Donald Trump or, you know, President Biden or something. What can we just, just give me one example where of yeah, what it could would look be, like you and I were debating right now about something? Uh, it, it, it could be uh, the, war, the war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be, uh, uh, as we were talking uh, about the, the sense and nonsense of Web3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where we had some conversations about it could be also who is who is washing the dishes today yeah so let's and, let's pick let's pick ukraine maybe just for example okay. but what yeah. would a debate look like like how if if you and i like what would one of us say like you know you know i don't know or like or, or maybe i don't know on the web you want it might be even like okay you know web3 is amazing or web3 is useless but it would be what would it the, look like? The main ingredients that makes a debate a debate is that I know what is true. Yeah. And I uh, want to find ways to put this truth on you. Either that you agree, or at least that you are not able to, uh, to counter my arguments, that, that I'm able to silence you. So the way when I talk about the war in Ukraine, I, I know what it is and i hear you uh to the degree i hear you uh and your arguments and you disagree and then i'm looking for the weak spots of your argument so that i can make clear why you're wrong and why i'm right but the foundation is that i'm very uh, uh based in my conviction of knowing and that uh, the, the whole orientation of a debate is to expand my knowing uh, to other people so that they become part of my knowing in that. And of course, it can, can get more complicated. You also can convince me. But basically, uh, underneath is this foundation of identity and knowing that is fixed and that tries to win. And uh, that I would say is the is uh, the basic characteristics of what the debate is about, which also can be powerful. It's like like, like a powerful chess game. Uh, and so, so let's take an example that maybe for even at least our averages. So imagine, I I you know I'm quite convinced that like you know I don't know Russia's kind of wrong. Vladimir Putin is 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 wrong. You know like they shouldn't be invading Ukraine. That if I were coming from like, I know that this is not meaning I can't have a conviction in a view, but it's like, I know I'm right. I'm trying to, and you know, or vice versa, you know, you're, you're saying like the, you, you know, Vladimir Putin, wrong. I'm like, no, I think, you know, I think Putin's great. And I think Russia have got right on their side. Mm -hmm. That would become a debate where we're in this clash of opinion about, mm -hmm. about it. And what would then a dialogue start to look like? And then we're going to come to even a kind of emergent dialogue or, a, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, enlightened, uh, like kind of dialogue, but let's just what even dialogue would look like between you and me. Let's say I'm I'm a pro pro Russia at the moment. You're pro Ukraine. Would that be we drop those kind of like yeah? What would it look like? I mean, the main difference I would say it's very really, it's, it's cool it's cool to ask this question because the main difference is I would say that in debate I'm listening for something different than I would listen for in a dialogue. Uh, in, in a debate, because I'm convinced of whatever, 
I listen for where you object and where the weak points of your objections are so that I can come in. So it, it basically, it's a whole thought, usual thought process of warfare. I look for your weak spots so that I can come through with my arguments. That's what, so when, when I listen to what you're saying, basically I'm, I'm looking, so are you saying that and that? And uh, that's a weak argument. I go in there. Yeah. Yeah. And in the dialogue, so let's say in here, it's like, you know, uh, you say something about the Ukraine, and I'd be looking just like, well, that's wrong because of this, you know, look, the US is supplying, you know, the, you know, and you would be like, no, look what the Russia, you know, right. And in a dialogue, what are we looking for? or What are we listening for then? The main thing I would say, or the starting point is uh, that I really try to understand you. Even if, uh, uh, if you're uh, thinking the opposite, that you're thinking really uh, Putin is right and uh, uh, it's all about NATO East expansion and, and, and uh, Russia is cornered and they, they have to defend their security interests and uh, uh, basically it was the NATO who started this war already uh, in the 1990s when they promised the whole thing. You, you can make all arguments in, in that. Uh, uh, that are in this, uh, you listen differently when you try to understand the other, even if you disagree, to understand oh, uh, where does he, she come from? Well, mm. uh, what's, what's this world about? And in the difference that is occurring, um, there's still place for argument where I think uh, da, 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 that doesn't make sense. I bring it, but the, the foundation is a, a, a listening for mutual understanding. Mm. Yeah, uh, here, here you are as the other with this other perspective, which I really don't understand and maybe really annoys me or triggers me in whatever way. Uh, but I'm curious enough uh, to 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 try to to create something where there's a mutual understanding, some bridge building possible between one and the other, not kind of in a flat landing. Uh, I, I don't care. My, my truth is still holding my ground, and and uh, in that being also myself, not kind of just being. I don't care. But, uh, I also care not only about you. I also care about myself and my th and holding this this tension. This friction that can be very uncomfortable because it's a place where I I I, I really don't agree with you, uh, but do I still want to listen with you? Yes. And then there is something I make a little leap here, but I I, I think it's interesting uh, because we worked with this very example uh, quite often, and it, it illustrates something. Um, when I listen to you, uh, how vulnerable can I be in this listening? And a good, a good thought experiment is if you say something that really would pull the carpet under, underneath my feet, my, my feet, it really kind of uh, would, uh, uh, would be very disturbing. 
Not that I have to agree with you, but uh, if that is the case, do I really want to hear you? Or do I make a choice that there's some things I don't want to hear because I don't want to be uh, shaken up in where I stand? That's it. And I'm not even saying that, that it is important that I, uh, to let the rock be pulled. I'm not saying, but the thought, experiment. The thought, uh, experiment. thought experiment to see there's a point where I'm not sure, at least that's the way I always go to this, I'm not sure I really want to hear you. Mm. Because um, holding my ground uh, is essentially more important than hearing you. And to be aware that this is the point where I stop talking with you. Mm. And just to be aware that, uh, that it takes a lot of courage to, to, to make this spot uh, maybe uh, more open. That even if uh, what you have to say to me is really, maybe it's destroying my whole world just because something is coming in that I have not thought about or whatever. Uh, do I have the courage to hear you or do I basically shut down because, mm. uh, because I want to be not uh, irritated in my security of my self-identity and to see that this is quite often the end of a conversation, although we can continue talking, but basically there's a wall and uh, I, I, I close my ear when you bring this up and find a way around it and this is waterproof kind of thing because uh, I don't want to be touched there. And just to be aware of this shows how uh, how dialogue can really something open, how dialogue can be really dangerous, uh, how it also needs an atmosphere of trust, because to do this with someone who is not trustworthy is maybe a stupid thing to do. Yes. Uh, uh, but if there's a trustworthy relationship, a lot transformative profoundly transformative can happen in any conversation and when there's so much trust that basically I don't stop listening. And can I ask then, so what, to make it concrete, what was, it, if you could share even, let's say uh, in the Enlightened Next community and in these moments where you were really doing this profoundly, what kind of things would you dialogue about or just can you give a concrete example from your own personal experience that really opened something up for you that you were dialoguing about? And it might have been a very simple topic, but it, that kind of makes it concrete for me or the listeners of something that could really, yeah, be that powerful. I mean, I can imagine, but I just like to hear. I mean, what comes to my mind, uh, and that was part of the, the, the spiritual work that, um, we uh, talked about a lot about our ego structures, my male arrogance, or uh, for example, about my German identifications uh, with uh, German identity uh, in relationship to um, a lot of denial of what happened in the Second World War and a lot of justification and a lot of da, 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 uh, where I just feel very comfortable because being Austrian slash German to, to make this uh, uh, not differentiated for, for the sake of the conversation. Uh, there, are lot, there are a lot of things that in my environment uh, are just a shared, a shared given how Austrians uh, 
uh, see themselves as whatever victims of of history and not perpetrators uh, in that in that sense and how we translated it in the in the generation after the war and how we uh, find justification stories and to see in that sense our cultural identity being built around certain myths and certain blind spots uh, that uh, if somebody else shatters that uh, uh, you you very easily touch a pain point where you're not sure you want to go there and that's same for true for any history uh, for any identity uh, talking about American identity and American race history uh, uh, in, in, in uh, Native Americans, uh, extinction, uh, whatever. And it doesn't have to be history. It's, it's also my personal relationship with maybe you or, or maybe my partner where my, where my male uh, superiority is just uh, playing out in a way and uh, because I may be able to, to play some intellectual game, uh, I, I, I can... Uh, hold power in this way and I don't want to let go and I don't want to see it uh, and uh, people just saying hey look and maybe maybe you don't want to look because uh, you don't want to see yourself then because it it uh, shatters a little bit your ideal self perception things show up that you don't want to shadow work mm. so, so what like in this like you would do just as a in the eight or ten hours you do this meditation and what then would there be a group dialogue or would it be you dialogue with someone else and they would bring up these things potentially or they would uh, look this kind of dialogues that uh that um i was just describing we 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 did over many years on ongoingly together and uh there are also danger points in that because you can create group dynamics and group uh perspectives uh cultish uh, forms of, uh, of dialogue structures, uh, all that, uh, which was also part of what happened with us. So uh, uh, there, there are also uh, shadow points and blind spot in this. Uh, but in, in this particular uh, phase that you're pointing to uh, uh, around this, it, it, it was more about uh, uh, the capacity to um, allow something between us to uh, to emerge that is uh, shared uh, and something that we are together in but standing also on our autonomy it's not kind of a group think thing uh, but it has its own wholeness uh, of where a dialogical field uh, can be also rooted in something very deep, which is kind of connected to what I just shared before about this uh, enlightenment intensive experience, where it's not about me, Thomas, but something uh, where life itself shows up between us uh, like that, and to, to have uh, conversations where uh, we where we find a, a, a way to this relational field to be self-aware, let's put it that way. 
and so just even to as i said what kind of topics were you talking about in the group what would would can it be anything were there particular things that it, uh, i had time to remember exactly what we were talking at that time uh uh uh, the, the, one hand was very personal, on the other hand it was uh, very about atmospheric, but th that was also very specific about this particular work that we did at that point. So I, I, yes. I, I, I wouldn't uh, make this a too general point because that was yes. related to that particular work we tried to do at this time, in this context. Uh, and in the end, uh, it is not important. Yes. Uh, in the end, what I think uh, is important is what you were pointing out to be available for whatever. And what I mean be available for whatever is what is relevant in this situation that I'm here right now. I, I suppose why I'm, I'm also speaking to it is it can sound to some people a little bit, I would say almost magical, like that there's this wholeness or this field. And <laughs> it's like quite like that there's a there's a what is it that leads to it so for before i got very it was in a way this very concreteness of it which i can which i can see which is there are things that you could say to me that like can i be with them you know that 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 um that okay uh that 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 i can really see that and that there's something in my ego there's a there's an there is something that it that is opening up a spaciousness in myself where maybe a disidentification with those things. I mean, the most of it I want to say for myself is the things we've done that aren't so nice. I always, I always sometimes have said that, you know, I think the hardest thing is to have been, if I, if I had been, if I were a rapist to really be able to be with that mm -hmm. and not to make it, not to be, it's okay. Um, or anything like that but to really like we we always have such self-image of how we were good or you know mm -hmm. the ideal of ourselves and to be able to somehow hold that and not not uh not um oh it doesn't matter but somehow have some stepping back from it creates this space around so many things because we so identify with our positions including our positions about who we are like i'm whatever they might be, you know, about my, I'm smart, I'm good, I'm, or that I'm not good or whatever those are. And so I really see that. And then the, you're saying there's sort of this field that emerges, uh, as you said, that it's something in the dialogue in, in this space that's, well, we, I really want to kind of come to this discussion, but which is more than the, which is more than the sum of its parts yet isn't mm -hmm. isn't a kind of it isn't a dissolution that we sometimes have crudely of like i'm going to dissolve into some kind of like mm -hmm. you know group it's somehow more than but yet respect the individuation but it's just i'm only coming back to it it can sound almost why well, i'm asking just for the concreteness of it it's not important and i get that it's not mm -hmm. important and we, if one doesn't remember the detail mm -hmm. but it just makes it real life potentially for people who may may or may not have experienced such a phenomenon yeah uh, I'm not sure if the concrete content uh, makes yes. it more real. Uh, and let me talk about the magic that you brought. Yes, up. let's talk about the magic. Uh, because um, I would say it is magic. But um, what I mean with that is uh, 
or to explain myself, I think that individuation is also magic. That we create ma magic or one very down-to-earth understanding of magic is what we create with language. I find it magic when I use a word like the word tree and I'm pretty sure that in your consciousness somehow something like treeness shows up. That's, uh, that's in fact the, the, the foundational form of magic, to, to be able to manifest something to language. And uh, since we started to use language in human history, uh, we also started magic. Magic and, and, the, and the start of language are pretty much at the same time in, the, in that sense. And the fact that we are able, or we're able as a species, sorry to step back a little bit and, and take a meta perspective here, I think explains something uh, that we were able uh, to basically leave our embeddedness in the natural process that we were in and shared with all other natural species, that we were able first to uh, form identities as a tribe with particular cultural forms. And then in that, and it was all done with language and starting uh, to, to uh, different forms of storytelling, uh, coming in the hero story of all of a sudden that there was the, the creation of the individual that stands out of the indigenous tribe. It has its own ownness and the, the basic story form of the hero is the one who stands against the embeddedness, embeddedness with nature, embeddedness with the gods and goddesses and finds its own Odysseus, Ulysses, is, uh, he, he and Homer did an amazing piece showing the our Western Greek European individuation process, uh, how Ulysses basically is able to fool the gods, the, the forces around him, to basically enforce his own individuation, his own heroic existence in that. That is a form of magic that we created and that create a whole culture, at least our European modernist culture, that's based on a certain perspective that we hold with this language. It's based on the separation uh, that we kind of manifest, that I am myself and I am related to objects and uh, even other people I can objectify and can have instrumental relation. There's a whole world that we are creating through a cultural magical game uh, that we even science in its form creates this magic uh, as a scientific language uh, that creates uh, a certain uh, awareness of reality that's based on subject-object relationship, on subjectivity, on instrumentality and all that. That To, to create this world, that we created this as a species, as a culture. And maybe we are at a turning point right now where this game comes to its own end. Where in the hyper-individuation process and the whole epidemics of narcissism, we've, the shadow sides of this game uh, are, sh are showing so strongly that there is a evolutionary drive to find new forms of reintegration in wholeness. That this experience that I was describing of a relational field is maybe an attempt to not lose individuality, but to 
create an awareness that even individuality is embedded always in relationship and to have an, a, a psychological, emotional, spiritual relationship to this embeddedness. And then you, you give it the word field to express this. Whatever the, of course, it's not a physical field or whatever. You use a word to express something that uh, 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 somehow has a relationship to a certain experience uh, and that has some resonance with the experience. And uh, that, I think, is something that is happening right now in many, not only in this spiritual community that we were, but in many places, that it seems that our hyper-individual postmodern world is looking for forms of free integration. Dignitans interbeing, uh, reinterpreting Buddhism with this interbeing language goes, from my interpretation, the same direction in some in some way. Other people uh, do similar work in that. So there, seem, there seems to be something in the air where the evolution of cultures, culture and consciousness is seeking magically to find new language games, <laughs> to talk with Wittgenstein, uh, that allows us to experience and communicate our embeddedness. And that's how I would interpret this experience. A long, sorry, it was a long answer and a little uh, philosophical one. So I want to come back to that for, or let's work that through for myself and maybe for listeners. And I think maybe also to expand on it in examples of what we mean by these terms like individuation and then integration. So mm -hmm. I may be going to bring another example that we're all familiar. Well, we all went through whether we remember it, but we might know if we've seen babies. So as a, um, a tiny child, when a child is born, they, we, from what we know, and obviously we can't really interview very young, very young children, but we can do kind of experiments to look, to see, understand how they see the world. They, they may not really see themselves as separate from the world. Like they're kind of, they are the world that they're in. And there isn't a ba a really tiny one week old or a few month old baby is their sensations and doesn't really know maybe even whether they, they don't have a sense of their body separate from the environment and things like that. And mm -hmm. there's a sense, I'm, I'm picking an analogy, but you also using it in the grand historical perspective, which I want to come back to, but there's a sense of individuation in in a child as that they they start to see themselves as it separate like uh there's some kind of distinction of them and that's a very natural and even healthy phenomenon and what you're also talking about i'm just kind of trying to get that for people to understand sense of individuation there's a sense of at one point the child is totally embedded in the environment in a sense mm -hmm. and similarly while again we can't go back in a time machine and do go back 50,000 years or 100,000 years and, and or even 10,000 years and really understand your know, interview um, homo sapiens and be like how understand how they see the world there is a sense in historical perspective from the literature we have from what we do know that there and even from societies we know today into just that there was a sense in which one was there wasn't the sense of the individual distinct from who they were interwoven with the group that they were and and what we're talking to here is that there's been there's a suggestion that there's been a big historical process which is both a victory and as we just discussed has many shadows of individuation of people becoming 
what that means just like the child stops a debt being just i am one with the environment in an actually healthy way they start to say oh, i've got a boundary of my body that there are objects in another sense for example very very young children if you do experiments don't really if an object disappears for them it's just gone out of existence they don't they don't search for it it's it's gone if i hide something behind the chair and at some point the child realizes there are objects out there as it were quote unquote in the world that can disappear and that they can search for they can recover that are separate from them um, i'm giving this very concrete examples from the developmental literature but this sense of individuation goes on and that so first of all just if there's anything you want to say to kind of do better than me and kind of saying that and i then want to come and there's a sense of which that has extended that's become we'll come to i think in another moment in the poet this modern this this mm -hmm. the era we're in that has become so exaggerated or taken to such extremes that there are lit the shadows of it have become very apparent though it is we should acknowledge the great victory but first of all is there anything you want to say just to kind of spell out like individuation because i think this is really profoundly again comes back to the ontological thing but also really talks actually deeply if people are listening to think to how this relates to some of the predicament like concrete things like we talked about narcissism but also what's going on our, our political systems are our, our challenges of dealing with global crises like the ecological crisis the climate mm -hmm. crisis but because I, I also want to at the end i'm just flagging this for people i want to come back to one modern reaction say oh we want to go back we want to go mm -hmm. back to to what the wisdom of indigenous cultures which have huge amounts of wisdom mm -hmm. but in some of the story here is it's not one wants to go back it's like the pendulum will swing but it doesn't swing back it swings mm -hmm. the pendulum is moving upwards we're, we're, we're tracing if you like a helix or a, uh you know upwards so i want to come to all of those things but i just want to start with the individuation point is that is that a kind of ju just to explain that for people because it's a kind of technical term and i know it relates to Jung and other things what do we mean by individuation no thank thank you for that and uh, this is a moment where i really regret that elizabeth my partner is not here because she is a developmental psychologist really has a lot to say to, say to that but, uh, but um what you're describing, are, I think, is also common knowledge. We know that. And of course, people like Piaget really, uh, uh, th that's what their work is about, to describe these changes that, uh, that you are describing. And one thing that all of us know, besides uh, the examples that you just brought, is when a child, I think in the age around three, uh, starts uh, to change language and not talks anymore in, about oneself in the third person, but the first person. And, and just to see uh, what it takes in consciousness to, uh, or what that means to talk uh, about yourself in the third person is kind of a loose way. You, that the identification process reaches a different firmness when you don't talk about him, but I talk about me. And then, uh, 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 this meanness uh, really starts, and this is also, as far as I know, uh, where the, 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 fir the first really rebellious phase in life happens, where you really uh, start to uh, try the boundaries of your parents, because you, uh, you, you, you encounter the joy of saying no. So basically, oh, no, 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 and, 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 and screaming because you want something and all, all the willfulness, you, you, you're starting to, to experiment and play with your own willfulness. 
in, in, in a way where we discover something that uh, is our eye sense. And I really uh, think what you are pointing out that uh, often because we, we are aware that narcissism is such a, a theme of our time and our disconnectedness is such a theme that we all suffer from and the whole wave of indigenous renaissance that we are living through right now expresses also that we realize that uh, those cultures who have not gone through the same process of modernity that we have gone through hold some forms of wisdom that we have lost but there's a very simple example again that i think highlights what you were pointing to because when we were not separate yet in our indigenous tribe uh, there was a, a real power and unite uh, togetherness also uh, by the way togetherness with nature in this we have not objectified each other and all of that and uh, and that's partly where also we our romantic sense is responding to wow this is beautiful, this is powerful, uh, and this is true, but there's another element that's worth uh, looking at, that this was not a choice, this was a given. Nobody could step out of the tribe, there was no freedom to step out of the tribe. Literally, enough examples to, to demonstrate that people, uh, indigenous being taken out of the tribe, die. And not because they uh, starve or something like that, maybe that too, but psychologically, you just cannot take it. You don't exist outside. So to, to see that this is powerful, but there's also um, a necessity built in and a lack of freedom to do anything else but that, that is a very different situation than we are in, that we can say, no, I'm not part of this society, I'm not part of this culture, I'm not part of this family, and I really can do my thing and can be very narcissistic about it. But we also can make a choice to come together. But this togetherness is different, fundamentally different, because uh, it's based on our choosing capacity to do so. To, uh, to be aware that this kind of to, to, uh, togetherness is based on the freedom to choose, that's very different than the factuality of just being together, uh, shows that this is not a going back to some romantic idea, but uh, what I would call here trans-individuation, the rediscovery of our embeddedness in our togetherness, is always based on our capacity of free choice. And also the responsibility to, to, to choose the right form of togetherness, because you can also choose the Nazi form of togetherness. And that's maybe something uh, one can discuss if it's the right thing of coming together. So our form of responsibility of individuation, and only with individuation there's real responsibility of someone who is responsible, uh, uh, forms a different way of is related to this field of relationship that's different than the indigenous one. We can learn a lot, but we also have to learn a lot from our process of individuation. Yes, I think that's really important exactly to acknowledge. And I, I think this is, again, to actually come back always to the political point, if I can bring up here, is 
the the traumas of the traumas of the of individuation which may may go back much further um but it's certainly even in like modern times you know the, 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 you know the people think of you know when i you know whether it's the nazi rallies or it's the inquisition this incredible victory i mean that dominates for example if you go and just read political theory most of it's about like how do people have freedom to kind of do what they want you know in the sense of play whatever music or read whatever books mm -hmm. um this is just just incredible uh victory that shows up i'm giving formal examples in our kind of governmental but the the kind of underlying ontological uh achievement that represents is is what you're saying is kind of is is, is massive and, and almost not acknowledged and particularly in these moments because it is now gone its shadows have have arrived uh okay. and so just to acknowledge that the great victory of that freedom and and it shows up even in victory today which is you know many many societies um were are, are and were patriarchal um, you know, the, the, the victories of individuation are still being reaped, uh, whether I think they relate, you know, many of these areas to see people uh, um, as sovereign individuals with their own rights and all these kind of things. And the trauma, though, that we are still dealing with of, of that victory and, and well, not that, but also, of, you know, of the of dealing with the group and oppressions by the group and so on and what you're now coming to is to say but we also see the um the great limitations of what we could call hyper individuation you, you mentioned mm -hmm. narcissism but anatomized society you know the things we can say kind of classic loneliness but also our great our lack of embeddedness or connection with nature in a visceral sense the other thing that I want to reiterate in all of this that we have to necessarily on a call like this we can't really do practice although I and Thomas can be kind of, I hope, practicing a bit, the, the, the concreteness of this, the, the visceralness of these things uh, in both directions. And so when we say, oh, we're not embedded in nature, I mean, I, in a way, I, at least I could have no idea of what it really means, although I grew up in the country I grew up, but what it really means to be connected, fully connected with nature um, in, a, in a certain way. But that this is something that really is showing up today in the way that we act, the way that we behave, the way that we, that we, that we operate. And I want to therefore come in. So one of the things that you're really looking at is ways that we're not necessarily going back because we, we can't, we can't, we don't, we cannot go back in a, in a, in a sense. It's not the same thing. What is the going forward? So then that just come back. This is what you've been describing even earlier in, in these experiences and these practices. Mm -hmm. and, and again, this magic you said is we're looking for ways. And this is really to integrate the victories of individuation, of our autonomy, mm -hmm. of our of our individuality. Back, though, into something that is a collective, but not that that isn't a reversal, isn't isn't a neuron but like i know i'm just saying this because people having it oh we're going to go back to the new it's something really where that autonomy and responsibility and sovereignty or something is preserved yet there is something new that emerges and there is a sense of being the collective and connectedness and so on is that is that what that's what the work that you uh, emerge uh, uh, absolutely yeah uh, to, to, to emphasize uh, what you're pointing to uh, that is also what ken wilber calls the dignity of modernity 
that we right now uh, tend to forget because we are so much uh, in the drama of modernity right now. So rightfully, we, we also have to emphasize how we move beyond that and also beyond uh, the postmodern revolt against that to, to, to integrate it on a higher level. But it has to be honored, the dignity. It has to be seen, it has to be in there. Otherwise, we end up with all, with all kinds of regressions. So this is a critical, a critical point to make. And uh, what this really means ongoingly has to be found out on a theoretical level, but also on a practical level. And to talk more from a practical level, um, I think um, that's at least what our emergent dialogue practice is focusing on, that is that developed out of that, what we did in the 90s and uh, what we did uh, afterwards in our work here, Elizabeth DeBold, my partner and others here, we are working this now since I think close to 30 years now. And one simple way to understand uh, what, what an anchor point can be to enter this different form of being together here is what I would call synergetic intuition. It sounds a little bit like a mouthful and a fancy word, and I try to explain what, what, what I mean. But um, when we are in whatever situation, with whatever factors, that's of people and beyond people, uh, there is a multitude that comes together and builds a situation. Let's say we are in a dialogue and there are 10 people, and let's leave all the other factors out right now. Let's just focus on these 10 people different perspectives, different life stories, uh, different agendas, different drama points, different uh, hopes. Uh, and uh, there's a conversation that has a certain reason why we are here. And there is a multitude. And how does this multitude f f find a wholeness? How, how do we not stay fragmented or fragment? So that I have no clue. The worst thing is that we fight each other, but also just to be next to each other and have no real relationship is a form of fragmentation. We, as the circle of 10 people, Sarah, we just don't find a wholeness, a meaningful wholeness. That everyone knows when a conversation comes to its own and somehow it feels very meaningful what we are talking about and we are all in it and, and something is happening and it's beyond my agenda or your agenda, it's happening. There's, there's some meaningful wholeness building because we did something right, let's put it that way, or something right happened, however. And I think one word to understand this rightness is the beautiful word synergy. That synergy means that different uh, points, factors, identities, uh, look for how they can form a meaningful whole. And it makes a huge difference in any situation when I'm interested, uh, have a sense organ for this synergetic capacity of a situation, and I'm in support of it to show up or not. And when enough people in a room have a focus and a capacity to really 
are aware of the slightest capacities of synergy and over support this. Synergy happens in a much more profound way, in a much more powerful way. And the potential between us gets multiplied just because we don't focus fragmentation. Uh, we focus on synergy and synergy does not mean that we fall into one and there is no difference anymore. It is a creative relationship of difference, even creative friction where I don't agree with you, but there's something very powerful in this disagreement that's really interesting. Uh, we don't even have to agree in, in the end, but still it was very enriching to have this conversation with you. If you agree or disagree, maybe may both a good outcome, but something synergized in this and the capacity to be there for this, this synergetic field is, I think, a way to understand what this uh, uh, form of being together holds in a way where I'm not primarily interested in m me and my agenda and you and your agenda and debate or whatever, but we are together, we are here together for something that is a creative wholeness that we still have to find out what it is. And again, so if you, if I were thinking for myself or listeners are thinking for themselves, it would be interesting to say, let's just pick something simple, like your partner and you, I don't know, there's, there's some debate over, over um, what one's going to do this week, you know, whether, whether we're going to go to the, the cinema or whether we're going to go to the theater or let's say something more profound i'm just kind of wondering so like for you or even could you give an example of like this like when you've seen this happen where you've seen a group having to decide on a topic and it could be a prosaic topic or it could be something a really yeah. big discussion about yeah. the ukraine war and what you've seen happen when a group yeah. does go into this versus yeah. not and just just describe that yeah i'm just trying to yeah, say, yeah. Let, let me give a very concrete example out of my life that just happened a couple of weeks ago and yeah. that i found uh, significant uh, we do in our work every summer a, a, a retreat and um, uh, we did it in the last years in, in, in Italy in Assisi this year we wanted to go out of some reasons to a powerful place in Turkey and uh, then the war happened and uh, it just did not feel right to, go, to do a retreat in Turkey kind of if, if felt like some escapist thing in uh, the, 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 so uh, a couple of us came together and just expressing uh, this uh, um, feeling uncomfortable with this and uh, out of this conversation came the idea why don't we go to berlin berlin is a is a city that holds so much it's a symbol uh, the reality of division in our time and also the creative response to division so there's something very powerful in in the place of uh, of of that and uh, uh, that just happened out of this conversation then we had no idea how, where to do this and we we had some friends in in berlin we started to talk and uh to uh, cut a long story short uh, we came up with some friends in a very powerful co-working co-living space and uh, another friend who runs a community uh, in Berlin with young people, they call themselves the Church of Interbeing. And we, we 
we said, let's do this together. And then we, we had a process where we just uh, uh, in many Zoom calls and, and then in, in, in a couple of days in Berlin, uh, we just went from our places and uh, talked, how do we do this retreat uh, together? And everybody has their places. And somehow it felt nobody really designed this retreat. It was a conversation where things fell into place. It was even not only a conversation between people. We also we went to different places and felt that the place told us something how to do this. And, and this listening to this ongoing synergetic presence between us, uh, the places and the idea allowed in a very short time that um, a retreat unfolded. And in the end was, at least from my sense, very powerful and very successful. But it really happened in its own emergence, the listening to the unknown between us, how does this potential want to arrive here? And it was not someone having an agenda, let's do this, da, da, and, and it was really ongoingly being very open in, in the unknown and seeing, when, oh, wow, this fits together. Wow, this fit, no, this doesn't fit together. And all of a sudden, it's a synergetic whole building that in the end, I, I'm just very happy how it happened. So that was for me, uh, really an expression of, of, of a synergetic coming together where none of us were over-invested. I don't know if there was no ego involved, but we were not over-invested in our ego. So that something powerful can emerge between us that was beyond ourselves. And in the end, I think was really in service of the situation, the people involved and, and everything else. And also, do you have a converse example of something you've ever experienced where you didn't feel that dialogue? Or for some reason, there was a block, and you what what happened then? Like, have you ever done like an event where that wasn't somehow in place, and a few things you, you felt that discussion happen? I just I just trying to like how people can yeah. feel that when they yeah when they have it. Yeah, I do. I, I uh, what comes to my mind right now is a is a uh, kind of a a group uh, of people that I'm involved in since uh, some years where we are also again from different backgrounds uh, worked uh, together how to create a, a more conscious culture in Germany. Uh, and to cut it short, uh, uh, COVID rip us, ripped us apart. Uh, 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 the, the investments in different forms, how to respond to COVID, to be with the establishment response or with the uh, uh, more uh, alternative, even conspiracy res response. Are, uh, we although we were very conscious people, we were not able to hold it. We, 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 we fragmented. And uh, not, not to give any one of us now, yeah. you are the, we fragmented. Uh, uh, we were not able to hold this different, the difference in, in a creative, co-creative, synergetic way. Uh, 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 I'm still not over, I'm still looking for what, what, what can happen in the future, but uh, for the moment we failed. And, and so, yeah, I mean, this is this what I wanna bring up is, is something that I think is really subtle. Just for an example, a friend was talking about recently, um, uh, which was, to put, to put it in a simple way, 
there was there was an event he was participating in and uh he's also from a research background uh you know he was he was in academia uh, and the thing he really respected academia was that you know it's like um particularly in research collaboration so his interest was when you know when you saw groups operating like good research groups because in academia you know you, you could be in departments and there's there's different reading groups or different research groups and some are really kind of not very functional you know and some are really productive mm-hmm. and his point and and his also thing so that's just the context and he was in a group and there was a lot of stuff about like everyone had to speak equally they were like there was asking a relatively expert question about like how do you do research to assess you know something and what he was noticing which is something sometimes that happens today and i'm asking this in this kind of question of dialogue which is you know there was a kind of a bit of a formality like people felt like everyone you know there's a question of who should speak you know who had power there are these things that come up um but even that there were differences of opinion i, I guess he had this question which is when you uh, operate with a lot like what and i I'm not articulating this question super well, so I'm going to kind of work it through and we'll kind of make of it what we can. What he was saying, what he saw in research groups was there was a there was a tolerance for inequality of speaking or participation at given moments because someone had expertise. But the group had this core purpose and that, that would dance. It wouldn't be someone who always, in a given moment, it would be like, okay, we've got a statistics question. This person knows a lot about statistics. Um, but you could kind of, and also you could have very strong differences of opinion that would, in, in at least productive groups, there could be clashes, but it would somehow synergize and you would, you would, you would move on. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to bring this up is that what I'm hearing is that also this isn't about being nice. This kind of, this practice, something emerging isn't about us all being like, oh, everyone speak, everyone's view is equal validity, but there's somehow an ability to add kind of be with productive tension or creative tension and in this group that kind of pulled apart like i guess what it is what is it that allows a group to not have too much tension or be pulled apart versus Mm -hmm. it sounds like when you did your event in berlin everyone's kind of committed to what they to the mission you know there's a general alignment and even Mm -hmm. maybe cultural alignment. there are going to be differences but there's enough kind of shared it's like in this other group that wasn't so productive it wasn't it was like even there was maybe the formality that there wasn't a space actually of creative difference Mm-hmm. um versus when there is in the research group which might even be quite like and maybe someone's even egoic but i'm not sure in the good research groups that's actually one of the funny things is there's even if people have got big egos the egos in terms of what you're doing is sort of put to a side you know you're committed to the scientific mission mm-hmm. um and i just kind of i know my question is not so clear here but how how does one e- even in the lower sense of this allow not to be pulled apart like you've described but also mm-hmm. not to become like flatland where like you know, oh, everyone has equal listening to everyone's view is equally valid because yes, everyone's view is equal. Like e- we want to listen to everyone in a true mm-hmm. sense of listen, but at some point, how do we deal with tensions or conflicts? Like that's, I guess my other question for me, yeah. when have you had a group where has had a lot of tension, like the COVID group and has successfully synergized? Mm-hmm. I, I, I have had this experience also. And I think the point is a completely different one. It's not about everyone being equal. It's not even about everyone being heard, although this is a virtue which I find important. It's even not a shared mission, although I I find this is important also and can help, but it also can be in the way, by the way. Um, What I would emphasize 
uh, is again this mysterious thing called the field or the wholeness between us. Uh, to, to be aware that um, there's something alive between us that's more than the sum of the parts, that has its wholeness. And I find something that really makes a difference here, at least the way we do this here, yeah? there may be other ways uh, how to go about this, to create awareness of this uh, dialogical field, of the synergetic field, not an intellectual awareness, an experiential awareness that one really can sense into the aliveness of this, uh, to, 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 to speak in semi-mythological language that you can look through the eyes of the synergetic space itself. You're not just looking to the Thomas eyes or Rufus eyes, but I'm able to, to look through the, through the eyes of the space itself. And uh, what I find very powerful, at least for myself, to really have a love relationship with this. So there is something that is very powerful in groups, which is, uh, which I would call an interpersonal relationship. So that, I, that, that I'm not just uh, me and you are instrumental part of my reality, uh, but I, I honor you and I honor her and I honor him. Uh, and th this, is, this is a very, important foundation of a real relationship in a, dialog in a dialogical field. Uh, but this is, I would say, an interpersonal uh, uh, experience where I'm aware of you and her and him and, uh, and the network of us in, in that. But it's not the wholeness itself. Uh, the way I would talk about this field consciousness, I, 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 would, I would call it this uh, emergent interbeing. Mm. It has its own life form, to say. I mean, I'm speaking semi-mythological to make a point here. Uh, and to be aware of its needs in that situation. What, what, what does this relational field really need from me and from you? And, and my capacity to hold the relationship with this emergent interbeing field and our shared capacity to do that allows us to hold the tension between us in a way that we don't fracture and where it's not even, again, not the point that we in the end love everything everyone is saying. It can stay in friction. It can be productive. It can be creative. Or we, or we can agree and find something that's, but everything that kind of synergizes in, 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 in this not kind of uh, everything is nice and everything is uh, equal, uh, way, but it can be very complex, difficult, all, all kind of stuff. But uh, there's a love for this experienced wholeness of this emergent interbeing field that allows us to anchor us in that and to hold us so that this becomes creative and not falls apart. And can you give a concrete, you said like, a concrete example you said an example where this hadn't happened in this kind of covid in the COVID time of covid with this group about thing when is the example when that when you've seen that happen when there was a tent that there was quite a tense topic and it like where there were differences but it was able to be held in this way and what the result was do you have an example even from a light next you know what were there ten just kind of get it really cold were there intentions in the light next that got resolved through this kind of dialogue uh, or, or, or things you've seen in recent times where you've seen this really play out 
I mean, in light, next is a different story because. Uh, well, well, then let's leave that that one for the moment. But just any yeah. example you could give me concretely of yeah. of a topic yeah. that you think you can and describe. Like these people have these quite different views, but through or I had this different view, and we we kind of. But this was actually the result. Like by how able to hold the field like that. I mean, in some way, uh, this is my ongoing experience in doing our magazine. Uh, uh, where we have our uh, uh, sometimes very different uh, uh, perspectives on can you make it just just talk on this one just give me a concrete so a difference and it could be just the simplest thing like we wanted to have this as the lead story of that but like a concrete example where this came up where two people in the magazine had really different perspectives and then what happened like when if you did this interaction and the field was held this was the resolution let, let me go back to uh, uh, to this retreat decision because our, uh, we really had uh, in that a uh, very different views. Uh, uh, if at, at, the, at this point uh, going to Turkey uh, is something uh, that, uh, that that we should do, uh, or if it's even a problem uh, to 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 do something, or uh, if there's a need of different, and we had no. Uh, uh, we had no answer for this for a couple of weeks. And, and what did one person kind of, so what happened? Someone, what would one person say? If it doesn't, you don't have to name them, but person X thought that we should go to Turkey strongly and person Y, you know, like, and what, what actually happened? Like, yeah, like people would get on a call and they would just. I, I, I'm, I'm just a little, uh, uh, Cautious. This is cautious to not uh, uh, or, uh, talk about too intimate things here. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. In, in, in that sense, even without without name without name naming na names, but uh, there were, were different focus points that uh, the, the, uh, people who are more focused on uh, uh, creating uh, uh, for people a, a nice experience somewhere going great. And people who more kind of were thinking about uh, a more strategic uh, uh, context where, where this uh, retreat has to uh, or can serve a certain function in developing what we're, what we're doing and where, where the, uh, the, the personal experience uh, on, on the retreat is important, but it's not the whole context. Right. And, uh, and uh, at the same time, both sides are right somehow. There's, there's, a, there's a big, uh, you can call it strategic context, how a, a, a retreat serves a, a bigger cause and it has a certain function and a certain thing that you want to try and bring to the world. And, and there are certain uh, life experiences that, that you bring to people who join this that you, mm. uh, 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 you want to support. And there can be a very, uh, in contrast to, to each other, opposing. Right right each, each other and um so there could have been a breakdown it could have been these two camps formed and yeah. you know kind of slugged it out like you know and maybe even whatever resolution would uh, even if there was a resolution there might have been no resolution but even if there had been a resolution people would have been conquered or and dissatisfied one group would have whereas instead you're saying there was a, a group decision was made relatively efficiently and people were kind of it was an integrative decision that, that 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 built on this field to find something that was yeah. kind of people were really whole with. 
I mean, what we tend to do, and this is a language that we don't use, but uh, other groups use that, and I, I, I find it applicable, is uh, that the decision process is consensus-oriented. And consensus-oriented does not mean that we, in, in, in the end, everyone uh, kind of um, has the same perspective, but that, that we are behind what we do in the end together. It, that, I mean, Amazon's famously founder has this phrase, disagree and commit. Yes, exactly. Uh, but, but, but for that, you have to be very aware of a lot of factors to be able to do that. Yes. And you have to be a lot of, that there has to be a lot of freedom from one's own agenda, particularly to, what to, what, to do what you're describing, to disagree, uh, but uh, be behind it, uh, because whatever, uh, it seems to be the right thing, although I still disagree. Uh, maybe the reason, uh, because uh, it cannot be decided and it's more important that we move together here than to fracture, and because of that, uh, although I still see differently, I'm really behind doing this because, and that maybe it, uh, connects directly again to uh, our work, I'm aware of this relational field and I don't want to hurt it. So I have, I, I and, wanted... and, uh, just, uh, just to, make the, to, make, to make the point clear, it's not that I don't want to hurt each other, that can be part of it, but that I don't want to hurt the potential of this field. What this field, uh, uh, what, what, what is relevant here right now, and the way we can see this together, that, that only can find itself in not fragmenting. And to hold this together and to, to value that needs uh, first as uh, essential awareness of its reality. That's not just an abstract idea that I can contemplate, but it's, uh, it, this is much more existential. Mm. Because uh, if I just contemplate this as an idea, I, uh, then, then, then basically all becomes a head thing. But if I have an existential experience of this wholeness, uh, we are talking on a very different level. I wanted uh, that. I think this is really. I mean, yeah. I, and it's to encourage anyone listening. It's really this is a practice, uh, and and. Thomas and others, but really to, to practice. And, and I think it talks to things we all know, which is that we spend much of our time not in such productive, well, in debate or not productive dialogue. I wanted to switch tracks right at, towards the end here and ask a couple of other questions. So one is, yeah. one is what, what was, you know, in a light next, because I think there are a lot of inspiration for people wanting to, you know, in many ways, it sound like an incredible in community i've heard testimony from other people who've been participating in it that was one of, but it also broke down mm -hmm. what what was what lessons of that or like what happened because you know i think this is a moment when people have a lot of ideas about again we want more you know transformative communities um what what did you take from that experience as saying that we could what what was the source of the breakdown what could we learn about you know or, or you know, I don't know, you know, whatever you want to speak to there, but yeah, anything there you'd like to talk to, because I think that has a lot of lessons for people today. You, you, you have another hour, a couple. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, that there's a lot uh, we can say, just maybe one thing why I, I think that in the end, uh, it fell apart. Yeah. 
uh, I think it fell apart. Again, many many things one one can bring into it. I just pick one that I think is very central. And there was a built-in um, contradiction uh, between uh, what was our project, what we tried to do, and the way we did it. Because this uh, capacity of interrelated emergence uh, basically needs uh, that this dialogical field really uh, uh, comes into the lead. But we did it in a top-down context of, a, of, of basically a guru context, where the power structure was outside of the project. And that would have needed a, a, a complete uh, re do of our our relations in order for this dialogical field to come to its own, and uh, like what kind? So just concretely, so for people who are listening, like yeah, so it, it, Andrew Cohen was the guru. Andrew Cohen was the was the, the was the guru, yeah. and basically uh, it was a top-down power structure where the where, where this dialogical field that we are talking about was uh, so, somehow this was what we're interested in, and also. Uh, what Andrew uh, was interested in, in some way, but to do that in a degree to basically uh, let go of this guru position would have been a necessity for this uh, dialogical field to come to its own. And that did not happen. And why did that not happen? Um, again, I could say more about it, but, but simple because Andrew didn't want to. And how you interpret this? I guess one question I have, do you think it was essential? Like, it's the question is, why Why is it so difficult for groups to self-generate? Like, why is it so often that is a guru to jet? Like, what role, why was was he quite essential to it then coming into being in the first place? Like, why, and why did he not, see, I, who knows for him why he didn't see the wisdom of stepping yes. aside? But I guess yes. it's like this this kind of difficulty i guess is do you need something like that to create the space in the first place but then somehow step out of the way yeah i i guess that's one of the lessons one can draw uh that uh that that is part of the difficulty of it because of course it helps also to have a powerful holder of this but the nature of this different step of uh human interrelatedness needs something different than pyramid power structures. And I don't say, I, I'm not saying uh, that authority is bad because uh, the, yes. to, to flatland everything is also not the answer. So yes, yes, how to do this, to do this in a dialogical way and to honor authority and expertise at the same time in a, in a, in a flexible way of honoring uh, who we are, also in our differences, uh, that's demanding. It's not easy. And that's why uh, this also produces a lot of experiments that uh, uh, fail. But th that's also part of the process. And we are in the process of finding out how we how we can do that to honor a lot of contradicting things at the same time, because it's, 
I don't think that pyramid structures really can serve for the future. Uh, and a postmodern flatland non hierarchies are, are incapable also. So what is the integration? And um, I also have no real problem with failing because I think failing is part of the success in the end. Yes, I mean, obviously it's like one want to fail in ways that are used, you know, like there's, there's, there's lots of ways to fail. There's just, yeah. there's better, you know. So come, I guess just on a related question, that we come back to is also what you know integral i mean obviously ken wilbur and, and the integral movement is much bigger than ken wilbur involves many many people who've contributed but what are the lessons again of that i mean i i am someone who's kind of come to it a bit later you know obviously in the last few but what you know there are many i mean i think well, if you google you know like the top hit for ken wilbur or something it's like this essay by manson the guy i think who, you know wrote this sort of self-help book but it's like he was obviously really inspired by Ken Wilber, but called like the rise and fall of Ken Wilber, you know, or, or something, you know, and he's like, you know, he starts out because he's like the greatest genius you've ever heard of. But what, again, I don't want to, I don't necessarily think that. I think there are like people so that we have a, we have a tendency in our world to focus on things that are successful because there's like an entity that's really visible, that's really successful, you know, things that are successful because they influence the entire culture and not so but what what do you see has happened with with integral community? What are your hopes, and where do you think it's evolving to? Where is it showing up in other places? And what lessons are there that, like, if you know, like, of, of other communities which are coming into being that are emerging that could learn from that? Again, one simple answer to a very complex question. We can answer lots of parts of it later. <laughs> I I'm very happy about uh, the emergence of metamodern. Hmm. And uh, one reason why I am, because I think that any new stage of human culture and consciousness has to be multilingual. And that uh, the, ex the emergence, the existence of metamodern, also partly in competition with integral, partly in identity, in my understanding is a support of integral because it allows whatever this new stage in, in culture and consciousness is about, to find different voices in also a hopefully friendly competition to analyze what, what it is and not just coming from one source. So in that sense, I really uh, think that uh, integral becoming um, polyphone uh, is a support of integral and that Ken has here a monumentous role in what happened and uh, what he brought about and that, that he has his own genius in that uh, for me is unquestioned and of course he has also his limitations and his downsides uh, but uh, uh, but that he, that he I mean he played an enormous role in my life that's maybe a side point but uh, that uh, really uh, yeah, shaped uh, a lot of my life and my understanding of, of, of reality. I think that uh, uh, to honor this and to find a, a polyphonic relationship to that, uh, uh, as every stage of consciousness, um, a tradition, modern, postmodern, uh, came in different voices, in competing voices, is a support that there's something real new happening right now 
And some people call it integral, some people call it metamodern, and some people will find it a third name for that. And I think that's good so. And what do you think are key, what is the kind of, you know, essence? I mean, I give the analogy sometimes for people in discussing this, of, of the Reformation leading into the Enlightenment. I mean, the great last transition, you might say, if you were mm -hmm. with, with that. And that, let's say in the Reformation, which I think is, is actually a key point, you know, and you can go early in the Renaissance, but in essence was actually a sort of an individuality, like, the you know, each person found their way to god so you know by scripture alone um etc there, there were and it's a good example there were many many different protestant sects there are many different people with different views but there were certain key commonalities maybe you know fundamentally to for example protestantism and then ultimately there are many different takes on some degree aspects of modernity but they had these kind of they were common so you know as i said one individual route to god or um you know the, the importance of of reading for oneself the bible it, the, these were common aspects some you got the quakers all at one end and you got you know i don't know the anglicans there's a huge spectrum i know or that Lu luther and calvin uh being uh two voices that uh had a lot not in common for the same yeah, time. Yeah, a lot not, not in common. So I guess, I mean, I guess when I hear kind of Wilbur or Integral speak, it would be stuff like a key, like this, there was a unifying principle. That's my point. There was a lot of divergent work. The key principle, let's say, of Integral would be like just the, the assumption of the possibility of human growth, consciousness growth and evolution, the react kind of the reality of that and that the, 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 the there's no end. Like there's, it's not like we've, we've got the right answer, this kind of aspect. I don't know, maybe I'm not putting that rightly, but what would you say, are there any underlying kind of core principles though, which many polyphonic voices may be versions of, but mm -hmm. what are kind of core assumptions, like the Protestants had certain core assumptions that you can identify? Yeah. What comes to my mind uh, uh, first is one thing, and that is um, the integration uh, of the modern impulse and the postmodern impulse into something new. Because, uh, at least in my understanding, postmodernity is not really a new stage in consciousness. Postmodernity is, is modernity in the face of self critique. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the deconstruction of modernity. It's not the new yet. I mean, at least one can yeah. argue, could argue that like point. It's like scholasticism. Medieval scholasticism was a, a kind of integration at the beginning, but into the old system of the discovery yeah. of Plato, Aristotle. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, yes, it was a kind of critique or building on, but not yet the next stage. Yeah. So in that, uh, this impulse to really take serious what postmodernity is teaching us uh, in, 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 in terms of the flaws of the Western scientific, hyper-individualistic, uh, separate subject-object divide perspective of reality that distinguishes, I'm, I'm oversimplifying dramatically, uh, forgive me, uh, that distinguishes this Western Greek European impulse from traditional impulses and other impulses of other cultures around the world, and that created the triumph and the disaster of modernity. And postmodernity is very much basically the uh, uh, 
the relentless self-critique of that. Uh, and integral metamodern is an, a way to acknowledge this critique. For example, the uh, subject-object divide of the, of the, of the modern uh, perspective. Uh, also, the, reduct, the, the, the reduction to materialism, to uh, basically that only things that we can measure with scientific uh, methodologies uh, is accepted as big reality and everything that shows up just in its phenomenological uh, uh, form is not real. Uh, all, 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 the, all this kind of things that modernity and the modern did for us uh, uh, is very flawed. But at the same time, to acknowledge, again, the dignity of this modern impulse and find this uh, in, in new forms of holding bigger complexities where this can be brought together seems to be one that these different forms of integral and metamodern try to achieve in similar or different ways. So that 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 integrating of the modern and like respecting of reason. So neither throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So keeping the baby of modernity, the value of reason, the value of of meritocracy, the value of expertise, um, mm -hmm. the, even of you know material developments, while also integrating the great critique maybe of of that and uh, generally. Um, which is that there are, you know, first it's odd because postmodernism doesn't really have quite the, the the interiority, the respect for, but may, maybe I'm being unfair to postmodernism. But the the point of that we're integrating certainly the spiritual line back into things, mm -hmm. integrating the phenomenological in the inner world mm -hmm. into uh, things. That that's it. So it's kind of funny because it, you might say there's there's obviously the, the, it is the time for the birth. Of a new whole religion, or a, like a wholesome or a spiritual thing that that integrates that. I know many people talk to that. Mm -hmm. um, I've talked about it before. I know many others uh, in in this space. But it's, I mean, Ken's one of his most recent books is you know the religion I think of tomorrow or the religion of the future. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that that impulse you're saying that integration is a key aspect. Mm -hmm. um, and is there anything else you see as a key aspect of? these kind of these different polyphonic voices if we were to write out our theses <laughs> it's interesting because i think it's central but uh i may be biased because it's so much where my focus on it is and in 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 integral it's it's only partially developed but i think uh, to develop a perspective of reality that is beyond the separate uh, individual self-sense yes uh, seems to be part of the equation here uh, but I'm, I'm I'm a little hesitant to say that because uh, on one hand this, this is so dear to my heart uh, and on the other hand I see it in, in certain forms of integral uh, only half-heartedly pursued in that, yeah. but st but still, my conviction is that this is a, a central part of the puzzle. And finally, I guess what are the things we could learn? And not in a like everything, but like, what are the limitations being of the integral maybe movement or community or practices? Like, what what do we think? Not not like they may even be recognized in the community. So I'm not saying that everyone has them. But what if you're saying to people like, what could we learn 
from the last 30, 40 years of Integral's efforts, the the the, the successes and and the, the the things that haven't worked so well for like other groups, you know, and other movements. I mean, I, I speak out one, I mean, I know Craig Walsh wrote this is like 2007, I think, addressed the, the European Integral uh, mm-hmm. Congress or something like that. But it was, you know, it was like the, the, the Ken is very clear in the work, but, you know, it's, it is quite, inter- it can be quite heady. He himself had a very strong practice, but I mean, Craig mentioned, I think in his address, like we really need to make sure we're doing the work, the, the inner work, the actual practice, rather than this just being ideas. That's one thing that I can see in any, um, you know, I see for myself, but I can see in any groups so often quite easy to be like, you know, um, oh yeah, we've got all these great ideas. You know, it's true of any political movements, but then it's like, it's not it, the practice, going back to your first point of this whole call, we're not practicing what we're preaching, you know, and that's that's crucial. But are there, what other is, I mean, is that one thing or what other things would you say that there are that we can really learn um, to do even better, that were being done well, could be done even better, or that like were maybe missing? No, not done I, think it, I think I think you pointed it out, and I really think it, it is one, one of the uh, flaws and and the blind spots and maybe even the shadow sides of, of integral. Uh, it is the temptation of the theory that explains everything. Uh, because there's, there's a temptation, and I saw this in many cases, particularly in young, uh, intelligent men, to kind of be so drawn into this capacity to put everything into maps. Basically, you uh, you only live in maps anymore. And uh, I see this sometimes, to my experience, very tragic, because uh, I see people who have a deep spiritual longing, but from my perspective, completely lost in maps. They, they, when I see them, my experience is uh, they, they don't see anything but maps, even when they see you. Uh, all they can do is mapping you. Uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but because of the powerful capacity of these maps, they lost touch with any, everything else. And this is something uh, that uh, happened because of the capacities of integral theory and because there can be a trap, you can be trapped in. And I see, uh, uh, again, uh, just my perspective, but I really experiences quite some tragic lives in this, uh, where, where I see very sad uh, people with high intelligence and a high spiritual longing, but somehow lost in this. And uh, that is something uh, I think which is connected to a blind spot or to a shadow side of uh, what integral, how integral showed up until now. And again, uh, uh, I don't think that there is anything on Earth that does that does not show up with a, with a blind spot. With the shadow. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I just want to. Uh, that's yeah. I think also that humility is a really central point as well. That at the end, that that, uh, but not coupled with then doing nothing. Like there's this dance, as you say, we hold our view, but we hold it with a listening for others. Yeah. I wanted to say at this point. Um, Anything last that you'd like to say during this interview, uh, Thomas, that you'd like to share at the very end or anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to mention? No, just uh, I appreciate very much the conversation uh, that we had and to all this very theoretical, but also 
very uh, personal uh, dimension of this and this shared search how can we find this step forward in our individual practice and but also in our if i may call it activism to find more integrative forms of, of culture and living together on this planet with this planet uh, and uh, kind of having this conversation is for me part of the practice well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And please, uh, yeah, if you want to find out more about Thomas's work, you can check out Evolve uh, and Evolve World. And yeah, just a great thank you to you. And also, I just want to acknowledge your partner, Elizabeth, who I knew unfortunately couldn't make it today, but like was here in presence and with us on this. I know, you know, just acknowledging all of her contribution and the many others. You know, you've acknowledged some of your uh, kind of intellectual and spiritual ancestors. Uh, on this call so thank you to them as well uh, until next time thank you so much for us